0: Welcome to the Energy Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, and joining me today are Jake and Eric Anderson, co-founders and CEO, CTO, pair of Anderson Optimization. Jake and Eric, how are both of you today? Doing well. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm doing great. Great. Yeah, thank you both for coming on and uh, talking a little bit more about how innovative technology is helping optimize energy usage. Uh, So before we hop into that, why don't you tell me a little bit more about the inception of your company and sort of what brought you towards creating something to fix energy usage?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, the initial genesis of the idea is that we wanted to create a company based around Eric's technical background. He spent his time uh, attaining his PhD some years back studying uh, what are called power system modeling and optimization models and really these can be used to help simulate the energy grid and as the energy grid is in the midst of a really unprecedented evolution going from a traditional grid based on traditional generation and really linked into the transmission infrastructure to a grid with a lot of new technology from renewables storage distributed generation there's a lot of volatility and eric spent a lot of time researching uh, modeling practices to create technologies to help understand how that change is occurring. So we wanted to really bring some of those technical capabilities to industry. So from a long term standpoint, that was our initial genesis of the idea of the company uh, and really wanted to create software that could help enable the industry to really move towards this new modern grid.
0: Yeah, I feel like the energy industry is rapidly changing. Like most industries, there's a lot of innovation going on, a lot of new technologies coming to the table that really shake things up. Um, And, you know, I think there are some problems that can be addressed more immediately, but there are also some that take a little more foresight. So, Jake, what are some of those short-term and long-term problems that you have seen in energy optimization over the past few years? And uh, how does your company fit in? Absolutely. So, yeah, again, really where we initially
1: had this vision is to use these models to really simulate the macro level energy grid. And our first idea that we had is to help utilities with what are called their integrated resource and transmission planning practices. So, utilities are tasked with making these large 20 to 30 year simulations of what uh, their load's going to look like, how much generation they're going to need. And they have to create these big, large plans and they use models to do that. But now that there's all this new volatility uh, because of these new technologies, their traditional practices really aren't as useful. So that was really kind of what we see as our ultimate long term goals to really help in that space. But to create that software platform right out of the gate uh, is a pretty Herculean task. So we knew that we needed an a n- earlier stage opportunity to tackle. So we spent a lot of time at our inception, just reaching out to industry, reaching to different participants in the industry about different problems that are out there and we actually started talking to a lot of renewable developers, so companies that make things like solar farms and wind farms, and we heard that there were actually a lot of issues related to called what's called renewable siting. So that's the activity of basically figuring out where to place a solar or a wind farm, and we heard that there were a lot of manual activities going to that. There was people all the way on the most manual side literally driving around following power lines to find what are called substations, which is where you link a solar or a uh wind farm into the energy grid and they were having to dig through a lot of disparate data layers it was really clunky process so we saw this as a nice early stage opportunity for us to get our foot into the industry Uh, again because all of this volatility is really coming from new technologies like renewables linking into the grid so this really helps us to kind of see the very front end of it and help automate some of those early stage activities and then as we move forward, we can continue to incorporate more of those higher-level modeling capabilities and really looking at that macro-level grid so that we can get to that kind of future platform that I outlined and that, again, is really focused on analyzing the macro-level energy grid.
0: So do you see mostly the issues coming from infrastructure, both from finding areas to to build these kind of sites, but then also just the actual building of them once you find the site as technology continues to grow and change? integrating that new technology into these utility systems? Yeah,
1: actually, one of the biggest things that we really see is a bit of a planning uh, aspect of it, uh, both on the kind of development side, and then also, too, on the longer term implementation side. So again, for these sites, there's a lot of planning that goes into figuring out, you know, you have to be within a certain radius of the actual electricity grid in your substation, which is your interconnection point. You have to be plan and find an area that doesn't have a lot of environmental constraints, whether it be flood hazards, wetlands, things of that nature. So that's really on the development side. But then as you really look at our kind of longer term focus on that macro level energy grid side, uh, there's really a lot of planning that has to happen on the modeling side so again as you bring in these new technologies uh, on the develop infrastructure side so the renewables they actually can create a lot of uh, volatility in the grid because unlike a traditional plant power plant that you could simply turn on and off uh, renewables really when there's sun or wind that power is going into the grid regardless of what you do and so that can create issues like transmission congestion for example which is when there's too much power in a specific part of the energy grid that the power lines simply can't handle that much energy and so then that creates a big congestion issue uh, and really can actually affect the pricing and the value of that electricity that's being generated so there's a really a lot of planning both at the macro level grid as well as the very early stage uh, single piece of infrastructure side so we really see it actually as a big uh, planning issue and eric i don't know if you have additional pieces that you would want to put onto that given your background on the planning and modeling side
2: Yeah, so I guess uh, once these sites are built, um, there's a lot of upcoming technologies that can be integrated with it to really change the characteristics of these sites. And energy storage is obviously kind of the most prominent one of these. Um, And it really allows for these sites to have so much more flexibility than they used to. Jake was mentioning some of the difficulties when you have this uh, variable generation that you don't control, it's uh, very uncertain. Um, So if you start co-locating some energy storage with these devices or with these sites, it uh, provides a lot more flexibility in how that power goes out to the grid so that uh, this upcoming technology can start to solve some of these problems as uh, wind and solar start to create issues as their penetration has increased.
0: Are wind and solar the two renewable energies that are making the biggest moves, or are you also seeing any other kinds of renewable energies that are also you know bring these issues to energy grids.
2: Yeah, I would definitely say wind and solar are are the top two uh issue or the top two uh renewables coming onto the grid. And so and they're not new technologies anymore. I think probably like a decade ago like we were trying to figure out how do we integrate with these or how do we bring these technologies onto the grid? And now these technologies are on the grid. They're here today and they're creating issues since they're in such high numbers. So in California, you see the, the stereotypical duck curve and it comes from the, the peak solar generation is actually slightly before the peak load that comes from when people are getting home at night. So we have this issue where we have all of a sudden huge ramping rates. So solar is starting to go down in generation in the afternoon and the load is going up. So it's creating significant challenges for the grid and how we deal with these are gonna be both operational and technological changes that we'll need to do to make things uh, work properly and uh, to kind of stay away from any issues.
0: So Eric, what are some examples of products that might be able to address these problems? New software, new technologies, new ways to change up the energy grid. Yeah, so
2: there's so many cool technologies out there and I've mentioned energy storage. One other technology we've started to look at recently is a, a technology by a company, SmartWires. They make devices that can change electrical characteristics of power lines, and by doing so, you can change how power is routed throughout the transmission networks. So, by doing this, instead of rebuilding a bunch of transmission lines, we can instead install these devices on existing lines, reroute power during these issues of transmission congestion and uh, stave off some of these big issues uh, that we're seeing on the grid so and i think one of the biggest issues coming down the pipeline is the distribution network so as this solar penetration has increased there's kind of two categories of this one's the utility scale solar power and that's when you see these big fields that are uh they're bigger than traditional power plant generators. They cover a lot of land, um, but they're similar to existing power plants in that it's a a central generation. And this is connected to the high voltage transmission network. And then it it feeds down into what we call the distribution network. And that's where all the houses are individually connected to the transmission grid. Historically, this is the way power has traditionally flowed. So the system's well, well set up for this. As uh, renewable power increases in a different way, so one example is uh, solar on rooftops. Now, all of a sudden, you have all this power being generated on site. So it's good in a lot of ways, it's close to the load, but it also uh, doesn't meet some of those requirements because it's not always generating when the load exists. So now, when the solar power is being generated, there might not be load at the home. So instead of the power being consumed on site, it's feeding back up into the transmission network. And this isn't how the system was designed. So now we might see a lot of these capacity issues on the distribution network that we no longer saw before. So this creates a whole new class of problems on the distribution network. And it's really a a real round of a bunch of different things. We have uncertainty from wind and solar generation, and it's more on the distribution level And the size of the problem is just way bigger instead of looking at this high voltage transmission network that's centralized and very few elements. The distribution network is uh, all encompassing. It goes everywhere and touches everything that has power. So we have this kind of large scale problem that has uh, more uncertainty. And uh, so to tackle this, we need both technology and operational uh, changes. And I think to start, really, we just need to get better visibility into the distribution network. Uh, Historically, utilities kind of planned this. You go look at your distribution network. You say, oh, this is what's going to happen for the next 20 years. We might see 5% load growth, and we'll build our substation at this size, and we don't even have to think about it for the next 20 years. Uh, Now, all of a sudden, like every few weeks, a new solar panel might go onto a rooftop. So it creates this very dynamic changing environment. So I think we have a lot of the pieces there. So we have energy storage to deal with it. We have these things that can reroute power. We have these uh, things that can help control voltage levels. But really uh, the question is, how do you operate all this in a sensible manner and can do it without knowing uh, with certainty what's going to happen with wind and solar generation? So it's a lot of complicated problems. I think operationally is one of the most challenging ones Uh, i think a lot of the hardware is kind of there we have enough of the pieces to solve the problem but how do we solve it with these pieces i think's kind of the big question
0: so do you think the answer to that question of how do you operate all this new energy do you think it lies in automation like we're starting to see in a lot of other industries yeah
2: certainly uh the there's just too many factors for kind of a reasonable control scenario where you have an operator uh solving this issues so there's just too many kind of things to factor in um, there's always gonna need to be a human level control that kind of has uh, certain elements to respond to for example i think the the most pro, uh the most common example is uh recovery from disaster or kind of avoiding disaster. So once your once your power grid goes into abnormal operating conditions, you're always going to want an operator to be there to to start solving problems. And operators just can solve a lot more complex problems in a lot faster way. Automation's perfect for that daily operation. You're in stable conditions and you're kind of you know what to expect. The uh, what you expect might be uncertain, but it's not like abnormal operating conditions, and that's the part you really want to operate, uh, automate, and I think this is uh, perfect for optimization technologies. So, an optimization, it's a very gen- general mathematical framework. So we have uh, constraints, and the constraints on the power grid are are commonly uh, we can't transmit more power on this power line than a certain factor it might change seasonally. Um, but then we also have objectives, so we, we want to operate the grid at lowest cost. And then we have variables and these variables are, are what the, what the system can control. And right now, when you just have solar on houses and no smart components within a house, uh, the controller really can't control much, but once you start adding energy storage into the picture and smart components in houses that can respond to price signals or, Uh, power signals, then you really start to see a lot more control at this distribution level. Um, And then the controller has a lot more power to uh, change how the system's operating to avoid these constraints and avoid issues and operate the grid at lowest cost uh, while maintaining system reliability.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you've got a lot of moving pieces to juggle there
2: yeah certainly and uh, it makes for very interesting problems and uh, this is why you see uh, governments are spending a lot of money to uh, uh, for national labs and research institutes to help solve these problems this is uh, this is not a uh, single company is going to come up with some technology that's going to solve this problem it's very much an organizational and people uh, societal thing that uh, regulations have to be changed, policies have to be changed. There's going to be multiple technologies at play. And first, we really just need to understand how we want to solve this problem. We need to understand what sort of frameworks will start to build the solutions. And then we can start seeing some of these uh, changes coming down to the operational level.
1: And I think too, kind of, what Eric's touched on there and really looping it back to some of your uh, first questions, Daniel, is the fact that what you're really seeing is technology is starting to penetrate the energy industry pretty much at every level across the board. Uh, and I think we've seen this, like you said, in other industries where technology has kind of disrupted the entire uh, industry ecosystem. But you're seeing it again in the energy industry at the hardware level with the actual renewable generation devices, the smart devices, the storage devices. You're seeing it at an automation and operational level is there. Just touched on. And again, in areas like us, you're seeing it at a planning level where you're using things like software to actually understand how this all interacts together Um, so really you're just seeing it in a lot of different ways and so with all of this technology and all of this change right now the entire industry is just trying to figure as eric mentioned how does this all sync up and how do you put it together in the right way to really advance the industry in the best way forward so uh, again really just echoing eric's point this really is a, a team effort all the way from the research side all the way to The implementation and technology side, but it really is undergoing some dramatic change that's never been there. Really, the electricity grid is a 100 year old technology that we use every day. But this is really the first time over the past maybe 30 or so years that it's really gone under undergone dramatic change. So it's definitely an interesting time to be in the space.
0: Definitely. I mean, things are changing quickly in every kind of industry, and uh, it's, it's crazy to see how it's affecting um, the energy industry as well. So playing off of what you both said, and you can both answer this separately um, or kind of play off of each other here, but what do you see for the future now of energy optimization? There's you know there's so many different channels and different, different ways that uh, it's being affected. What do you see for the future of all those different channels?
2: And I'll just uh, do this question and a somewhat specific thing that I think is kind of a, a really cool thought. Um, and uh, it explains some of the intricacies of the the power system. So currently the power systems split into three parts. We have the Eastern interconnect, the Western interconnect and Texas. So Texas has its own power grid. Um, But as we go forward, uh, we see a lot of interesting issues coming up as you increase penetration of solar and wind. So maybe when solar generation's the greatest in the West, maybe we actually need the load in the East. So maybe these three interconnected, or these three grids that are currently disconnected, maybe we should interconnect them as we go forward. So, and this I think is just a, a very interesting thought experiment and it just, Shows kind of the very different ways we could go with this. So at one level, you see all this talk about microgrids and everything very distributed, and uh, everyone's trying to kind of work on their own microgrid and solve uh, that local picture. But the the power grid exists for a reason. It's the cheapest way to provide electricity to to everyone. So there's a huge amount of benefits, and actually interconnecting these different electricity grids could be a very cool future from my perspective. Um, and there's a lot of very interesting problems to solve with this. And so the people heading up this research task is National Renewable Energy Laboratory, NREL, out in Colorado. And they're doing some very cool research on this, and they call it the SEAM study. So we have this seam in the middle of the country that disconnects the east and the west. And so what happens if we interconnect it? And there's a lot of different ways we could interconnect it. So which is the best way to do that? And there's a lot of uh, very cool synergies you could get once you start connecting these disparate pieces. So renewables, especially, you have this huge geographical correlations with uh, wind and solar production, but all these issues go away if you average them at the, the countrywide level. So I think that's kind of a, a very cool picture of the future And it's a little different one than people even know about. So one, they probably don't know that these grids are interconnected. And then uh, seeing this future where we interconnect these uh, two, probably the biggest uh, complex systems in the US, uh, interconnect them together. I think it's a very cool task. It would take uh, tons of effort from a national level and would be uh, uh, from an energy perspective. I think it's a, a cool idea, so.
1: Oh, yeah. And I was just going to say piggybacking on that too. I think at a, you know, a more broad level, I think there are a few things you can kind of take from that uh, and use. And I think one of the kind of main themes is things are just going to be a lot more dynamic. Again, in the past, it was you had these big monolithic traditional generators that would be turned on and they kind of provided power to everyone. And you turned them off when you kind of met your... The, the amount of generation that you need where in the future again renewables they are going to be generating power whenever there's sun or wind or whatever the resource is you're going to have storage which again can be generation or load at different times so things are just going to be a lot more dynamic throughout the course of a day and you're also just going to see a lot more activity of various levels of the grid as eric mentioned at the very macro level there's potentially the idea of actually interconnecting all of these three macro level grids but then as he also touched on we're going to see it at the home level where you're seeing again you're seeing rooftop panels you're seeing storage at the home level so and you're also seeing distributed network so really you're seeing actual activity at the distribution level at the transmission level and uh really at the full highest level macro level so it's just a lot more activity across the board and you are really again just kind of coupling from that you're just going to have a lot more users involved in the actual operation of the grid it's really no longer going to just be relegated to again a handful of power plants and some utilities and these three monolithic electricity grids, there's really going to be participation all the way across. Uh, So it's just going to be a lot more involved of an ecosystem across the
0: board. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting to see the way that these new energies, well, I guess they're not really new, but now that these energies have been on the table, how people are changing up the ways that they're used and uh, these problems I feel like we're starting to see this with new technology in in all industries technology has been around for a little bit and as it gets more integrated there are issues with integrating it and you know it's up to those people that notice those issues and band together to fix them and then in the end in a few years we'll see an an even better layout a more integrated grid um, and just more optimized energy usage
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that completely hits on the nail on the head. I think for a lot of times, especially you know, just focusing again on renewables and now the more recent one is storage. It was very much the question was, do these technologies work? Can they actually become viable at a mass scale? And I think we've really gotten to a point where everyone kind of generally agrees that, yeah, these are going to be here to stay. They'll, they're going to be into the future. But now it's about how do we use them the best? How do we integrate them the best? And how does everyone react to that and integrate them in the most appropriate manner so that just the grid and energy as a whole, and really since energy affects everyone, society as a whole, how do we best move forward given that circumstance?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I really enjoyed chatting with both of y'all about how you're changing energy optimization and trying to make it a little more fluid, a little more innovative. And yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you as well. Yeah. And thank you all for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Till next time.